Well, good morning, everybody. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. Uh, Laurel and I just returned from a ministry trip to Italy, so I'm about as jet-lagged as can be, which means my brain is foggy. Um, I'm not exactly sure what's going to come out of my mouth. I have absolutely no filter, and we happen to be in the book of the Bible from the Song of Solomon. So that's just perfect today. Um, and because I don't know where to start, let's just start with Mama from Italy. I'd like to show you a picture of Nona. She's going to pop up here on the screen in just a second. I hope. Can I get it? Oh, there we are. There she is. Awesome. Fantastic. Nona is a, a doting Italian grandma. She always wants to know answers to questions. Did you eat? Where's your coat? It's cold outside. Did you eat? What did you eat? How often have you eaten? Would you eat some more? Manja, manja, manja. That's what she's always talking about. Everybody needs an Italian mama, so we were in Italy and we adopted one, and this is her. We were on our way to church one night, and she was showing us pictures of her family from her Facebook page. She's on Twitter at 86. That's pretty amazing, right? And I was watching her as one of the pictures showed up, and her face just softened for a second, and she held out the phone and showed it to us. It was a picture of her husband. He's been gone for 36 years. She showed us that little picture, and then she told us a very animated story in Italian, even though we don't speak a word of Italian. She just assumed we would know exactly what it was that she was talking about. And before she swiped on with two of her fingers, she kissed her fingers and touched the screen. Oh, to be loved like that, and to have an opportunity to love like that, and to think that Jesus loves us all that way. Some of us have this idea that Jesus somehow has a disdain for us, but instead it's actually true that, that when God thinks of us, that's his response. Watching her that day made my heart sing, and I wanted, to, I wanted to take out a bat. Okay, stick with me now. I wanted to take out a bat and utterly destroy a common axiom that I hear about relationships. Familiarity breeds contempt. Culture says relationships are temporary and they're disposable. You don't need them. And if you don't enjoy the one that you're in, it's fine. You can just move on. It's no big deal. You know, if Nona heard that, her question to you would be, are you kidding me? I mean, what's happening for you? What's the matter with you? I mean, the more you love, the better it is. The harder you work, the sweeter the prize. The longer you love, the better it gets. She was living testimony of that. There were several recent reports. One came out in USA Today, another one in Psychology Today, another one from the National Institute on Marriage. And what they found was they interviewed couples who've been married for a really, really long time, and they found that the longer the marriage relationship, the higher the satisfaction within the relationship. So apparently familiarity doesn't breed contempt. In fact, it seems to breed a higher degree of satisfaction. So where does this idea of contempt come from? Years ago, the Saturday Evening Post published a commentary on marriage comment. It was called The Seven Stages of a Marriage Cold. In year number one, this is the conversation. Hey, sweetheart, I'm really concerned about my baby girl. You've got a bad sniffle and these things, you just don't know what they're going to turn into. So I've already booked you into the hospital. We're going to go there. You're going to spend a week there and get some really good rest. Second year, listen, darling, I don't like the sound of that cough. Do you think maybe we should go to the ER? Third year, hey, babe, you better lie down. Nothing like a little rest when you feel lousy, and I'll bring you something. Have we got any canned soup in this house? Year number four, hey, after you get all your work done, you should probably lie down. Year number five, why don't you take a couple of aspirin? Year number six, could you gargle or something instead of sitting around barking like a seal all evening long? Year number seven, stop sneezing. Are you trying to give me pneumonia? You see the slide? 
People have this misperception that the longer you love, the more susceptible you are to going through the motions. And the truth is, that can absolutely happen if you stop caring. People have this misperception that one person for a lifetime, that's just impossible. In fact, here's a common perspective. Familiarity actually breeds boredom in a relationship. I mean, people think to themselves, how can one person, being with one person, the same person with the same strengths and the same weaknesses and the same aches and the same pains with the same ups and the same downs, how could that possibly be God's plan for relationship? Boy, I wish I could bring mama here. Because if she was here, she would tune in that perspective. I think she'd say, you, you don't think you're human? You think it's so easy to love you? Don't be so selfish. Get your eyes off of yourself. It takes a lot to love. Jesus loves you, and that's not always easy, easy sometimes. A mamma mia, that's what she would say. That's the kind of person that she was. Nona and her husband loved Jesus. They raised two boys, Gaetano otherwise known as Guy and Ugo. And those two boys are changing the spiritual landscape of the country of Italy. We got to watch Ugo dedicate a brand new church building. We got to experience all that Guy is doing through a, a group called Italy for Christ. The deposit of two people who fell deeply in love with each other is now being felt across an entire country. I'll tell you what, when Jesus is in the center of any relationship, good things happen. We've been listening to the soundtrack of Mr. and Mrs. Solomon. They've been teaching us a lot about intimacy, not just in marriage relationships, but in all different kinds of relationships. And today they're going to teach us about the beauty of knowing and being known. So here's some biblical truth. In spite of what culture might say, in a godly relationship, familiarity doesn't just breed contempt. Exactly the opposite. Familiarity breeds reflection. Listen to Mrs. Solomon in Song of Solomon, chapter 3, verse 6. Reflect back on her wedding day. She's looking back to that moment when her husband showed up, future husband showed up, on a big day, in a big way, and captured her heart. She says this, Who is this coming up from the wilderness like a column of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and incense, made up of all of the spices of the merchant. Here's a modern translation. Who actually took the time to polish up his old beater car and showed up on his way to our wedding day with a smile on his face, all perfumed up, smelling like Givenchy and Paco Rabanne? It's my guy. Let me embarrass Bill and Bev Johnson for just a second. I love Sunday mornings when Bill and Bev are greeting not just because of the way they make new people to our church feel, but because I love when those, find those moments when I catch Bill looking at Bev. They've been married a long time. But he gets this look on his face like he's still just absolutely amazed that she married him. For the record, in every marriage that I've ever seen, a happy one anyway, the guy is still absolutely amazed that she married him. Can I get an amen from the guys in the room? I mean, this long relationship, according to Scripture, gives you memories to go back to. I remember every detail of my wedding day. I remember Laurel's dress, her hair, her beauty, her joy. I remember it all. Familiarity with those memories reflecting back, that doesn't build contempt. It's exactly the opposite. I feel joy looking back. I feel relief looking back. She actually went through with it. That's crazy. I feel love, and I remember our vows, making a covenant with God that no matter what happened, for rich or for poor, 
sickness and health, to love and to cherish as long as we both shall live. Well, you know what? That works in a spiritual context as well. King David, Solomon's dad, has this simple prayer all through Scripture, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. He's basically saying, never let me be one of those people who forgets what God did. Take me back to the day when Jesus found me. Take me back to that moment when I asked Jesus to love and forgive me, and he actually did. Take me back to that moment when the power of sin was broken off of my life, and I had an opportunity to feel freedom for the very first time. Take me back to that moment of grace when Jesus touched me and made me whole. So for a second, just do that. Just stop for a second and go back to that moment. If you've never experienced that moment, you absolutely can. But go back to that moment and reflect on it for just a second and see whether or not familiarity breeds contempt or whether familiarity actually breeds reflection. Secondly, Scripture tells us, according to the Song of Solomon, that familiarity actually breeds appreciation. Now, it's a choice. I don't care if you're in a friendship. I don't care if you're in a marriage relationship. It's always a choice to appreciate another person over the long haul. Because the reality is the more familiar you become, the more appreciation is possible. Dr. Sandra Murray and a team from SUNY in Buffalo, New York, studied the correlation between the longevity of a relationship and the way marriage partners actually viewed each other. Now, common sense would say this. If a husband rated his wife highly in an area, like she's warm and sensitive, and the wife rated herself in the same way, that that would constitute a happy relationship. That's what common sense would say. But this is what was amazing. In the happiest couples, the husband consistently rated his wife higher than she rated herself in every single category. He saw something in her that she couldn't see in herself, and vice versa. In the happiest relationships, she always rated him higher in areas than he rated himself. They believe in each other. I mean, right now, I can hear Kenny Rogers singing because she believes in me, right? If you don't know what that is, Google it. It's awesome, okay? It's so practical. We find the flaws and we make them beautiful. Let me give you an example. You say about your wife, she's not narrow-minded, she's focused. You say about your husband, he's not out late out of disrespect. He's actually trying to provide for our family. You say to yourself, she's not on my case about eating because she's negative. It's because she actually cares about my health. It's saying to yourself, we didn't have a bad life. We had a bad moment. And now we need to resolve it together. Simple appreciation changes the heart and doesn't allow for bad feelings to fester and grow. Culture says familiarity breeds contempt. We don't like each other. The Bible says familiarity actually gives you an opportunity to live in a world of appreciation. So we're going to listen today. We're going to eavesdrop on an intimate conversation. It's explicit. I'm going to warn you on the front end. We're going to talk or listen for just a second as Mr. Solomon talks about Mrs. Solomon. And then we're going to flip it around and look the other direction. So this is him talking to her. And remember... This is Bible, and all Scripture is God-breathed and profitable. Amen? Here it comes. 
He says, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes behind your veil are doves. He loves the look of her eyes. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from the hills of Gilead. Hopefully her hair smelled better than a flock of goats, and I'm sure that it did, okay? But he sees it like cascading down. Verse 2, your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn, coming up from the washing. (laughs) Each one has its twin, and not one of them is alone. Okay, now think about this just for a second. (laughs) What's the only facial expression in which you can see all of someone's teeth? She's smiling. She's not embarrassed. This is beautiful. Your lips are like a scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like the halves of a pomegranate. I have no idea what that means, but it's good. Your neck is like the Tower of David, built with a course of stones, and on it hang a thousand shields, all of them shields of warriors. If you saw somebody and you said, your neck is like a tower, it means that they're not looking like this. It means they're looking like this. Verse 5, your breasts are like two fawns. Once again, I have no idea why he keeps going back to the deer theme, but apparently that's what was showing up here. Like twin fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee, I will go to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of incense. If you don't know what that means, it means this is what inspired Lionel Richie to write the song all night long, okay? (laughs) And if you don't know what I'm talking about, we need to have a different conversation. I'm just saying, okay? You're altogether beautiful, my darling. There is no flaw in you. Now, we know for a fact that's not true. There are always flaws in every single person. But I'm going to ask you something. If you only concentrate on the flaws, where does that leave you? And I will remind you of something. Is anybody else in the room really, really glad that Jesus doesn't just concentrate on your flaws? Verse 8, come with me from Lebanon, my bride. Come with me from Lebanon. Descend from the crest of Amana, from the top of Sinir, the summit of Hermon, from the lion's den, and the mountain haunts of leopards. Verse 9, you've stolen my heart, my sister. Don't let that freak you out, okay? Culturally, he's just saying we're blood. My sister, my bride, you've stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. To him, her flawed humanity disappears in a moment of appreciation for her inner and outer beauty. I want you to notice something. He starts with her eyes, and he's just checking her out. If your heart's grown cold to the one that you love, it's probably because you've stopped appreciating. Now we're going to flip it around, and she's going to talk about him. And ladies, I'm going to tell you something. Even though a guy might say he doesn't need this, he does. If he says he doesn't need it, he's lying through his teeth. Listen to her talk to him. My beloved is radiant and ruddy, outstanding among 10,000. His head is purest gold. His hair is wavy and as black as a raven. His eyes are like doves by the water streams, washed in milk, mounted like jewels. His cheeks are like beds of spice, yielding perfume. His lips are like lilies dripping with with myrrh. His arms are rods of gold set with topaz. Apparently, Solomon's got a bit of a gun show going on here. That's a good thing. 
His body is like polished ivory decorated with lapis lazuli. That's basically sapphire blue. His legs are pillars of marble set on bases of pure gold. His appearance is like Lebanon, choices its cedars. His mouth is sweetness itself. He's altogether lovely. What's she doing? She's scanning him from head to toe and appreciating him. Was Solomon perfect? Absolutely not. He spent the rest of his life proving it. Is she living in denial somehow? Absolutely not. She's loving and appreciating this very private, intimate moment. And it teaches us. Love and respect go a long way when familiarity begins to breed appreciation. Listen to this last verse. It says, this is my beloved, this is my friend, daughters of Jerusalem. She's sharing this information with her friends, which makes me prompt a question. Ladies, when you talk about your husband with your friends, do you bring a good report or a bad one? Guys, same question. When you're talking to your friends, do you give a good report? Some of you are just like, there's no good report to give. If that's your response... It means this, you're in a bad season, and the Bible would say, don't focus on a way out, focus on a way forward. Amen? It takes work. You know, for all of us standing before God, we've got nothing good to offer. We all stand before God in our flaws. We stand condemned because of our shortcomings and our sin. We deserve to be banished from God's presence, but Jesus steps in and gives a good report. He steps in and says, Father, this is my beloved. This is my son. This is my daughter. I've wrapped them in a robe of righteousness so that all of their bad is covered by all of my good, which means we are family. And based on Jesus' good report, we are accepted and loved because his banner over us is love. Let's keep going. In fact, something's going to happen right now. Uh, the band is actually going to come out and join me because we're going to have a little moment here in just a second. But as they're making their way here, just try to focus, okay? All right, stick with me. Eyes on the preacher, all right? We're going to finish the last blank. Familiarity breeds connection. Make sure you write that down. It breeds connection. So we all know this to be true, okay? Over the long haul, when wedding vows become more than just words. There's a word for that. It's called life. Okay? It's called life. When you have to live out to have and to hold, because there's nobody else to hold on to, that's life. When in sickness dominates more than in health, that's a reality and it's called life. When as long as we both shall live sometimes comes to a tragic end because somebody gets selfish and pulls the ripcord on the relationship, that's something called life. And God's love is still there. But in those kinds of moments, the connection of a lifetime becomes a reality. Laurel and I are connected because we have to be. And also because we want to be. There's been one unbelievable blessing that's come out of Bietti's crystalline dystrophy and cystoid macular edema, which are the two conditions that Laurel battles with every single day. Because of my wife's eye condition, 
we have to hold hands. Because if we don't, she'll trip and fall. One of the beautiful blessings is that we have to hold hands all of the time. And that's actually God's gift to us because naturally we run at very, very different paces. So we need to do that. Can I speak to some of you right now whose hearts have grown cold towards the person that God has placed in your life? Some of you stopped holding hands. And you need to reconnect. And if you're too proud to be the first one to make the move, I want to remind you, when we were drowning in our sin, God was the first one to reach. So be courageous and make the move. We're connected for both of our good all of the time. So we're going to have a little moment. Each week we've had a little, a little moment of some kind where we tried to do something a little more creative, a little, just a little bit more um, outside of the norm. And today we're going to be blessed with, with a love song. And some of you are just going to be like, what are we singing a love song for in church? Why aren't we singing love songs in church? I mean, if God is truly in charge of all of the relationships and all of the friendships, love should be everywhere. I just came back from Italy. I have never been kissed so many times in my life. <laughs> they line up after the service, and it's two kisses, one on the right, one on the left. And I learned something. You always go right, because if you go left when they're going right, it does not go well for you at all, especially if it's a dude. I'm just telling you, okay? We had some near misses. It was not pretty, okay? But sometimes I believe in our culture, we've forgotten what it means to love. And so we're, we're going to have a loving moment right now. And maybe some of you had the worst fight of your life on the way here, or you've lost your connection somehow on your way here today. And, and so a couple of people, very, very special to us, Dakota and Catherine, are actually going to bless us with a love song. All of you know the story. Dakota and Catherine were in a very serious car accident at the beginning of this year. The fact that they're here is a miracle of God itself. And in about four or five weeks, I'm going to have the honor of presiding over their wedding when they stand in front of each other and make a covenant before God to love each other in sickness and in health, for rich or for poor, as long as they both shall live. So they're going to have a moment an intimate moment, and we're going to get an opportunity to listen in. Then, we're going to turn this corner and ask how this applies to our, all of our relationship with Jesus. Let's listen together.
If your response to that was, they'll get over it. <laughs> then what happened to your heart? I got a beautiful email this past week from a single person at Christ the King who said, Grant, don't ever apologize for trying to strengthen marriages in this church. Because as a single brother of all of those folks, I want their relationship to succeed, whether I'm married or not. That's beautiful. I don't know if you could see the connection. 
That's beautiful. It's a connection that flies in the face of familiarity breeds contempt. No, familiarity breeds connection. It breeds hope. It breeds love. So many things compete with our relationships. I saw something in Italy that I will never, ever forget. Pastor Francesco was sitting with me in Catania, Sicily, and he asked me a question. He goes, Grant, what competes with your church in America? I said, complacency and football. <laughs> Thanks for being here this morning. I said, what competes with your church? We walked out on the street, five doors down. He goes, that's the largest brothel in my city. Right across the street, he goes, that's the headquarters of the Sicilian Mafia. If they don't like us being too loud when we worship, they turn all the power off in the grid. I said, what do you do when they turn the power off? He said, we sing louder. <laughs> and we get so self-centered these days. And then he pointed around the corner. He goes, the largest drug cartel in the world operates right out of that parking lot. That's my competition. I said, now I know why God brought us to Italy. Not to give, but we need to get that through our head. There's all kinds of competition to your relationship, especially your relationship with God. And I want you to know something. God walked more than 500 miles for you. He crossed all of eternity and walked up the longest distance in the world to a hill of Calvary to give his life on a cross so that you could know how desperately he loved you. Mr. and Mrs. Solomon have a couple of ideas about how we can keep that relationship with Jesus connected. Let me just ask some questions coming out of the text that we talked about today. When was the last time you took a long period of time just to appreciate and reflect on the goodness of God in your life? When was the last time you stopped and looked with appreciative eyes for everything that God has done for you? Here's the problem with many of us. We've forgotten what God saved us from. It's just a distant memory in the past. And every once in a while, while you do need to put your past behind you, you need to take a moment and look back and say, thank God for what he saved me from. When was the last time you just thanked God for not giving you what you deserved? When was the last time you praised God for that moment of salvation when he gave you freedom for the first time? When was the last time you spent time deeply connecting with him, just adoring him because of who he is? When was the last time your prayer didn't start with, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need, and instead began with, you are, you are, you are, you are, praising, thanking, appreciating, and loving. When was connecting with God the most important part of your day? Like a love-struck newlywed. You just woke up in the morning, and the first thing you thought of was, how could I spend some time with the God who saved my soul? You know, we, we don't do the 24-7 prayer wall here because it's just a really cool thing so you can check a box and say, well, I had a connection with God this week. I gave him his 60 minutes. No, it's an opportunity to create a habit inside of your life when you go to God and thank him for who he is and beg him to touch our community in the same way that he's touched us. 
So as you're leaving today, there's a choice, there's a decision to be made. If you already signed up for an hour and you want to keep the same hour from last year, let us know. We just want to know. Last year we had over 140 hours out of the 168 hours of the week where somebody at some place in a secret place was on their face in front of God saying, God, help us love Jesus more. When was the last time you could say that loving God was your purest desire? When was the last time you reached and grabbed his hand, even though you felt he was being silent? Listen to Mrs. Solomon talk again, chapter 2, verse 4. Let him lead me to the banqueting table and let his banner over me be love. I meet so many people who think that God paints a banner over top of them, but it's not love. So many people fill in the banner on their own. Failure, broken, unworthy, alone. And yet the Bible says when Jesus Christ looks at us and has to pick a sign to put over top of each and every one of us, his sign says loved. The biggest challenge for many of us is we have no idea how to let God love us. Loving Him, and kind of figured that out, but actually allowing Him to love us, that's an unbelievable challenge. And yet God keeps saying to us over and over again, I've professed to you my love. I've actually made a covenant before God, and now I just want you to receive it. Chapter 2, verse 16, she says again, my beloved is mine, I am His. He browses among the lilies. This book of Song of Solomon is not just an intimate, explicit letter between two lovers. It's also an intimate, explicit love letter between God and His people. So today as we close, I want to take a long-term perspective. Because so many of us get so myopic when it comes to our relationships and our friendships. We get so self-centered. This is about me. It's what I like. It's what I want. And if anything competes with my agenda, then God must obviously be wrong. I'm going to take the long-term perspective. Because I don't know about you, but it's easy to get caught up in the urgency of today and forget that commitment to any relationship is about the long, long term. Well, I only have one human relationship to talk about. Laurel and I have been married for 27 years. And here's the truth. We're both getting a little older. I'm getting ready to turn 50 this year. When did that happen? I was 22 yesterday, I swear. We're both getting a little gray. I've got hair growing in my ears. How did that happen? <laughs> it's just wrong, and they hurt to pull them out. The lines are getting a little deeper, especially when you're jet lagged. But every time I see the lines... And I pluck the gray. And I look at her. I keep thinking to myself, the simple joy of the deepening lines is the knowledge that I've loved and been loved longer. It doesn't breed contempt. It breeds joy. 
And that's just a human relationship. I've been walking with Jesus seriously for 32 years. His patience and love astound me. The fact that Jesus is in heaven today giving a good report to God the Father about Grant Ernest Fishbook is somewhat mind-blowing to me because I know me. The same love that took Jesus to the cross is available to every single person in this room today because his banner over us is love. And that, my friends, is the naked truth about how much God loves you. So appreciate each other. Married couples, you have permission today to scan from head to toe because it's biblical. <laughs> you have permission to connect. My singles and brothers, my single brothers and sisters, you have permission today to fall deeper and deeper and deeper in love with the God who loves you. No human being can fill the need we have to be loved. But Jesus can. Would you pray with me as we close today? God, I pray for every person in this room who struggles to be loved by God. Because we don't allow that love to permeate our heart. So God, for those who struggle to really believe that God can paint a sign over them that says loved, I pray that they would open their heart and allow you to do some deep work in their soul. God, I pray for, for marriage relationships in this room that may be distant God, I pray that the miracle of hand-holding would happen today. God, I pray that relationships would be reconciled because of you. God, I pray for my single brothers and sisters today. I pray that you would become the object of their affection and that they would look at you the same way that you look at them. God, we are a family and we are all in this together and you are the answer to all of our relational questions. So God, I thank you that even though you know us better than anyone could, I thank you that familiarity does not breed contempt in your heart. But that familiarity breeds love. And may our lives always be different because of that truth. I pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.